Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Well, howdy, Buckaroos. Welcome back. Uh, beautiful morning here in Sunny Slope. We do have one line available. You can give the lovely Shira a call at 602-277-5827 for the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We're here every Sunday from 7 to 9 on 92.3. Oh, back to the phones. It looks like uh, David and Glendale's up next. Good morning, David. Good morning, Harry. Uh, yeah, uh, I have some clarification questions on uh, pomegranates. Uh-huh. Um you said in the past, uh, in June, uh, to water them more uh, in order to avoid the splitting. Uh, so what did you mean, uh, like more water or just more than once a week? Well, you know, weekly should be fine unless we have some really high temperatures. So weekly deep irrigation for, you know, established pomegranates is, is ideal. Uh, but you mm-hmm. want to make sure they have enough water to go down to a depth of, of two to three foot deep and as wide as the plant at least once a week. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because if they get stressed, the, the fruit stops growing, and then it's, it starts to grow when the, when the monsoon comes back and the weather's a little kinder, they split. So that's how we avoid uh, okay. the splits. Right. And then um, you're supposed to put the, the bags on the pomegranate fruit. Do you know about when you're supposed to do that? Well, when they start to change color. So, you know, usually that's going to happen somewhere late August, September. Uh, and if you, you want to catch them before the sugar content comes up, and that won't happen until they start to get, you know, a deeper red. But um, you want to catch them early enough that the uh, insects can't find them first. So pretty much uh, somewhere around the end of August versus September. Okay. That's all I need. Thanks, man. Thanks, David. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we have Tim and Chandler. Morning, Tim. Yes. Good morning. Yes, sir. Hello. You're live. Yes, I'm having some... Well, thank you. I have some lawn issues, uh, and I was hoping maybe you could help me. It's the transition from winter grass to the summer, the Bermuda. Mm -hmm. But what's happening a lot is that I'm getting weeds all over the place. And I've tried the weed and feed thing. That didn't work at all. In fact, I think I just fed the weeds. So I'm trying now to get the weeds done so when the Bermuda comes in, I'm not fighting weeds all summer long. Okay, so typically. Any advice? Well, how dense was your lawn last summer? Well, it was uh, pretty dense. It was dense rye. Okay. No, oh, summertime. No, the summertime. Bermuda. Yeah. The Bermuda was uh, medium. It wasn't all that dense. Mm-hmm. How, how old your lawn, Tim? Either. Oh, gosh, 25 years. Okay. So if you want to clean it all up and start over, you, this is a great time here to plant new sod if you wanted to. So you could take a sod cutter. You could cut all the weeds and everything off, just irrigate it, scalp it, cut it off, put in brand new sod, and have a you know really pretty new lawn in just a matter of a few weeks. If not, what you need to do is you need to kill all the rye right away. So to kill the rye, what you want to do is shut the water off, okay, and uh, don't irrigate it for a week to two weeks, and let the rye grow. Don't mow it. Let the rye get sized so it's stressed and it'll die. And the sooner you kill the rye, the happier the Bermuda grass is going to be. Uh, you know, basically at that time, after you go the two weeks, come back and scalp it. If you really want to kick it off well, get an aerator, take an aerator machine and go through and aerate your lawn. Throw some gypsum on it, a fairly heavy dose, okay? And then come back with just a traditional lawn fertilizer like a 21-7-14 and kick the water on. And uh, 
the Bermuda grass, if it's you know thick enough in there, will choke all the weeds out over time. And the other thing that you could do to prevent more weeds coming up when you scalp it that way this summer, if you had a problem with spurge, would be to go ahead and put a pre-emergent down now. And a pre-emergent is just that. It's just, you know, it's strictly just to kill the weed seed from coming up. It's not going to kill any existing weeds. Gotcha. And when was a good time of year to put down that pre-emergent? Well, normally what we're doing, okay, so if you're going to plant a rye lawn, you know, winter lawn, you can't use it in the fall. Because if you put the pre-emergent down, your rice seed won't come up. So if you had them in gotcha. winter lawn, when you'd want to use your pre-emergent, would be somewhere like in the early part of January, okay, before any of the spring weeds germinated. Gotcha. Okay. Perfect. Well, I appreciate the advice. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. David in Phoenix. Good morning, David. Hey, how are you today? Oh, enjoying the morning, David. Fantastic. Hey, I start. I started growing an avocado seed about two and a half months ago, and I want to transplant it into my backyard. It's got four little roots coming out of the bottom. They're about two inches long in the water. I'm doing it in a water. David, it's going to be a lot easier to transplant it into another container. So if you would take it out of the water and put it into like a two-gallon or five-gallon pot and grow it in the patio, it'll make kind of a fun patio plant. Your chances of ever having any fruit are slim or none, so not much chance of having fruit. But for a fun patio plant, uh, they make an excellent little thing to grow in the patio. And and they don't really like the full intense sun so well, but, you know, the patio, you can mitigate that. That's for sure. Well, okay, so if I don't plant it in the spot that I wanted to, I see I've planted three trees in this spot before, a mesquite tree, a southern oak, and a, uh, gosh, there was, there was another tree, and I just don't remember which one it was. It was a column ficus. Mm-hmm. All three trees died within a year. Okay. Does, does the area grow weeds? Uh, well, it's a rock. It's a planter. That's it's a probably a twenty by twenty four square. It's all rock landscape, and it's mm-hmm. just got that one hole. You know, it's probably three and a half feet in diameter. Mm-hmm. And it, I just have never been able to keep anything alive in that thing. Do any weeds grow in the hole? Uh, yeah, occasionally, yeah. Okay, and, and they look pretty healthy. <laughs> yes. Okay, so the soil should be okay then. So if it can grow weeds, okay. you should be able to grow a tree. And you say it's all rock around it, you just have this one small planter? That's right. Okay, so what what I would recommend for something hardy, and I'm surprised you, with a mesquite, they're usually pretty tough. You know, so right. So that, that would be unusual to lose a mesquite. But what you might try in there is a fruitless olive. You know, olives okay. are incredibly hardy, and... Um, and they'll grow, they'll take the reflected heat and all that kind of abuse. But, you know, if you planted a fruitless olive there, it was deep watered weekly. And as long as the ground would grow weeds, um, you know, don't use any chemicals around it and uh, should right. be okay. Okay. Well, a fruitless olive, you know, and those, do those cast a pretty good amount of shade? They're medium, you know. They're they're nice because they're dense and they're evergreen. You know, and they make a nice little canopy yeah. tree. Um, if you wanted something for shade, you would probably try something more like a, oh, say a Fantex ash or a red push pistachio, and those are more okay. big traditional shade trees. Or even your mesquite, you know, and those are those are pretty hardy as well. But the pistachio or ash would be a lot cleaner because you have the rock than if you used um, you know one of the other varieties. Okay. How how are you watering your tree there historically, David? And your and your the ones you've so lost. Got, I've got a 
I've got a drip line that comes from the house over to the planter. Okay. So I'll turn that on once a week, let it fill the bowl, and then I leave it alone. Now, that drip line doesn't not hooked into a water softener by chance, is it? Uh, no, sir. Okay. All righty. Well, good luck, David. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you Thank very you. much. Bye-bye. Uh, Sean in Phoenix. Good morning, Sean. Hey, how you doing this morning? Oh, enjoying our morning. Awesome. Hey, I got a few questions for you. I have grape skeletonizers. I know how to deal with them. You use BT. The question I have is, what can I do preventively to stop them from ever having to use BT? Is there anything I can do to avert that whole scenario? Absolutely. Just rip out the grapes. Oh, no, no, that's not the solution. Well, you wanted a solution. Well, okay, a solution is, you're right, that is a solution. How can I keep my grapes and prevent the skeleton? You know, the, the thing about them is they come from a, you know, a moth that can basically fly around and cover a lot of area. And uh, the haphazard hit or miss fact, whether they show up or not, you know, is just kind of random luck. But, okay. Two years in a row I've had them. I've dealt with them, but I just want to be like, am I doing something soil-wise that is attracting no, them to... You know, you're, you're, you're growing grapes, and they like sugar, you know, and they like to okay. their, those leaves, and, you know, that's just their favorite plant. But um, Okay, I have another round of questions if you want to go to the bonus round. Okay, go for it. The bonus round is I have eight stone fruits. The first one that always breaks out of a dormancy is my nectar plum. It is notorious for getting, and I want to say therps or terps. I don't know what they are, but they screw up the fruit. Yep. Is there something I can do to prevent that as well before that happens? <laughs> I'm looking for prevention, option. and I don't want to lose my tree. Okay. <laughs> you got the wrong variety of tree. You have the same option, only it's your hopes even less. So, um, you know, thrips are impossible to eliminate. And they okay. love they love nectarines. Okay, so you can plant a peach, you can plant a pear, an apple, all different kinds of things, and you get great crops here. But nectarines yeah. or anything in the nectarine family has a real problem with thrip here in the valley. Okay, my desert delight uh, nectarine not not really much of a problem with them. Okay, I have eight stone fruits in my backyard, and that's the only one that really gets heavily affected by it. Well, my apricot's fine. My <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, fine. Sean, you gotta you gotta call the herd. I'm sorry. I said sometimes you have to call the herd. You know, when you're okay. when you're raising cattle and and there's the run that that might be the one you decide to eat. Hey, I've got to take a break, but thanks for the call. Thank you. Bye bye. Uh, we'll be right back after a short break with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. In the meantime, we do have three lines available. A number to call 602 277 5827 277 KTAR. Oh, 
best way to walk I'm gonna search and find a better way to talk I'm gonna spit and polish my old rough itself Till I get rid of every single flaw I'm gonna be the world's hey. Little carbon's what makes this place work, you know. We're all carbon-based life forms. Anyway, beautiful morning out there, and uh, we do have three lines available. Number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTR, there towards the end of the program, sometimes it's hard to get in. So if you have an idea, thought, question, suggestion, something you want to talk about, give us a holler, and you could be after uh, after John, who's going to be after Tony. Good morning, Mr. Tony in Scottsdale. Hey, Brian, good morning. Yes, sir. Hey, so uh, just a couple of things. I just thought I'd let you know. We're driving down the road to pickup truck. My dog's got her head out the window, happy as a clam. And uh, also, last week we went to that Arboretum up in Superior. Have you ever been? Oh, yeah, that's wonderful. Boyce Thompson? It's, yeah, it's, yeah, no, it's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, was it Boyce Thompson? Mm hmm. Yeah, anyway, that, that was very cool. It's, 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 a nice, it's a nice trip, and it's a great you know great time of year to go there. Just that extra, you know, eight or ten degrees difference in weather makes it really nice. Yeah, I, I just anyway, I just I just wanted to recommend that for for the plant people out there. So uh, I was thinking about going over to your store on Glendale today. I need okay, a couple of things. I need um, I, I want to get some hanging pots for my Ramada out in my front yard. I live by Swirl High School. But I, I put, like, diplodanias out there before, and after a while, the sun just cooks the crap out of them. Is there some kind of a hanging pot up there, some kind of plant I can hang up that, that will be more tolerant to the heat as we get through the summer? Well, it gets tough in the summer, Tony. Really, you know, you get things that uh, we think of as more deserty type of shrubs. You know, realistically, like a lantana. Uh, you can use vincas and hanging baskets can do pretty well. And the ipomia, which is like the sweet potato vine, comes in the purple kind of a foliage or, or green. Okay. Uh, that one's awfully tough. And uh, But when we get a hanging basket here in the summertime, we just have to be on top of it all the time, make sure it stays watered, too. Right. Okay. And then and then last thing, Brian, uh, south, southeast corner of my back fence. Uh, I've got a, I've got a ficus that provides a fair amount of shade, but it does get some sun back there. I've had a heck of a time getting anything to grow. I was I was thinking about trying uh, oleanders. I'm I'm trying to get something that's going to both be like eight to ten feet tall to give me some give me some blockage from the house behind me. Okay, how far away from the ficus is it not going to be under the ficus, or is it going to be a separate like a hedge further away? Uh, it, it's going to be sort of like a separate hedge, but. It's that, but the ficus definitely blocks out the sun uh, in the afternoon for sure. Okay, well, just in morning sun, you, you know, you can grow things. But if it gets to where it's, so that the ficus is just sitting to the west side of it, right? And so the ficus is shading it. But Correct. In the yeah, morning, in yeah, the morning, right. it's uh, it's going to be on the east side of the wall, so it's going to get full sun all morning, right? That is correct. Okay. Um, you know, if you wanted something, a traditional hedge here that we use, use lots of, or sour orange. And the sour orange citrus hedge is, uh, you know, beneficial in several different ways, but it's a really nice green plant that hedges very well. And it also, if it's a border, you know, of your property, gives you pretty good security. People aren't going to climb through it easy either. So it works that way. If you wanted something fast, you could use a hop seed bush. And hop seeds grow very quickly. Um, 
they're not probably the best long-term plant. They'll take a little more maintenance after they get bigger, but they will make a faster plant than most others. And uh, you know, okay. there's, there's a lot of traditional kinds of these newer tropical desert things like the, the Tacomas, the yellow bells, and those kind of plants. Those will all do fine there as well. And, and even uh, traditional things, if you like hummingbirds like Cape honeysuckles, will do quite well there. Okay, very good. Hey, uh, Brian, as usual, thanks so much for all the info. Tony, have a nice weekend. Appreciate the call. Bye-bye. Thanks, sir. Uh, let's see. Next we have Mr. John in Phoenix. Hello, John. Hi, Brian. It is my pleasure to call you. And um, we listen to you before we head out to church or some to the grocery uh, to talk. And, and that's one of the reasons I've called. I read something, um, and I know you're an organic farmer. Did I get that right? We, we are. Yeah, that's true. Okay. And, and you use chicken manure uh, instead of um, a chemical to fertilize uh, and you get certified with your citrus. And this is, by the way, a friendly call. Mm -hmm. But I read something that we're going to have a preservative, and I don't know how it's applied, on our fruits and vegetables, and it will be identified with a little sticker that says, Appeal. A-P-E-E-L. Well, you're not going to have that on Whitfield Citrus. No, that's no. what I wanted to hear. Good, <laughs> no, good. The, the people, and, and the people that are going to use the, the appeal. And it's kind of neat, and I'm not really that sure about the technology. I don't think it's ARMRI certified. But the reality is here, we don't need it. Um, you know, most of our fruit we, we pick and pack here locally. Uh, we keep right. it in our own cold storage. And we have wonderful customers here, you know, in the form of the, the Bashes family and Safeway Albertsons and Whole Foods and Sprouts that, that take the majority of our product right here in town. So when we're you know we're, we're picking and packing citrus, a lot of it gets picked and pretty fresh. But what we use for a coating is a wax coating, and it's certified organic, and it's made from palm wax and beeswax, and right. and you have to wax and seal the fruit. But that appeal, um, Lemon Era Company was they they cut some kind of a special exclusive contract with it that I saw this last week. But you know we don't need it anyway, and um, it's well, just it amazing how what how long if we because we pick fruit ripe you know we don't pick stuff and gas it right we pick it right you know you got about a two-month shelf life anyway and, and in fact in our cold storage which has been off now for over a month uh somehow we missed a box of mineola tangelos and a friend of mine was in the cold storage and says hey can i have that box of tangelos and i could not believe that a box of tangelos now it does stay cooler in the cold storage even though the cooling's off but right. you know that box had been in there for probably going on eight weeks and was still marketable. Well, Brian, um, we respect you, and I, and I must have read the same thing. It concerned me because the FDA approved using this, we don't even know what's in it, let's say chemical preservative that can get sprayed on fruits and vegetables. They approved it on organic stuff, and it's like, hello. Did I miss something? Well, there there are things that are approved, and depending on right. the formulation, how it's made, it may be fine. I I just am not that aware of what it is, and and really, we haven't had the need for it. I'm so glad Brian Whitfield is not doing it. Thanks. <laughs> All righty, we'll take, appreciate it. <laughs> take care, John. Bye bye. Oh, uh, well, yeah. Sometimes I am called a purist when it comes to our citrus. Jim and Mesa. Good morning, Jim. And good morning to you too, Brian. 
I have two small pygmy palms that I planted in my front yard a couple of years ago, maybe mm-hmm. three years ago. They they don't appear they they're healthy, but they don't appear to be growing much. How are Could you I watering them? Wrong? Pardon me. How are you watering them? Have a uh, have a drip system. Uh-huh. Uh, water them about fifteen minutes a day, three times a week. Okay, that's probably more frequent than you need, and you just need to check and see how much water that system's actually putting on. You know, for pygmy dates, you want to wet a pretty good size area. And the problem is with running short cycles with our water, and uh, like 15 minutes, depending on what size heads you have. I don't know what size heads you have, but you want to put enough water on to go down about 18 inches deep and spread about two foot wide when you water your plant. Yeah, I expect I'm not doing that. And the other problem when you put a little bit of water in is you always add salt with our water. Now that the uh, rivers quit flowing, you know, we're getting a lot of well water mixed with our water and our EC electric conductivity or basically how much salt we have in our water has completely changed and went way up right now. And it will stay that way all summer as we use well water. And so when we water, we actually have to put on extra water to push the salt, you know, from around our plants out away from our plants. So we call yeah, it subbing. So when you water, just take all those irrigations, put them all into one, okay, and make sure that you're putting on, you know, at least five to ten gallons. You want to get that, you know, eighteen inches deep and out a couple feet. And now would be the perfect time to just give them a little shot of fertilizer too. So if you had Miracle Grow or ten ten ten, or if you had a little lawn food, any one of those would be fine. A shot of fertilizer and deeper irrigation doesn't have to be that frequent. Weekly's plenty often, and you'll probably find a big difference in how they grow this summer. And and you said up to five to ten gallons on that that um, single irrigating yeah, once a week. Each time you plant them, yeah, it's, it's going to be probably between five and ten gallons because you want to get the plants wet, eighteen inches to two foot deep, yep. okay, and about two foot wide. So it's going to yep. take a lot okay. of water to do that. And what would be a really good idea for all your plants, uh, if you would, this time of year, Jim, you might just turn your, your drip system on one time and just run it for several hours to the point where it's going to run off or even overnight. And that'll push the salts away from all your plants and then reprogram it to water, you know, a lot less frequently and deeper. Sounds good. Thanks, Jim. Um, finally, I'd like to say I love your music. Well, we have an awful lot of fun with our music. <laughs> I know you do. And, and, and as a listener, I enjoy it very much. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Bobby in Phoenix. Good morning, Bobby. Hi, Brian. I had my first two blackberries after 500 gallons of water and sweat and tears and making sure they made it through the winter. <laughs> but they had a ton of flowers maybe about a month ago. Uh-huh. And a lot of the flower stems where their little buds were, were like dry puffs. And two of them, and only two big, beautiful blackberries came out of the plant. Um, question regarding summer watering. Mm-hmm. How often do I water them? Because I know they love their water. And should I fertilize with the um, emulsion, Alaskan fisherman's emulsion? You absolutely could. Now would be a great time to feed them. Uh, watering for most places around Bobby, weekly watering is going to be fine. But okay. you want to get the water down deep, just kind of like with the last color we talked about with the pygmy date palm. And these is a good deep irrigation about once a week. Understood. And it should be, should be good to go. 
and and that's like its first little crop, so I should be very grateful, is what you're saying. <laughs> well, and it might have been that there were more than a bird or somebody got, too. I mean, everybody loves blackberries when they're right. Uh, no, no, they're hidden. The sunflowers kind of hide them. They have kind of a, a mottled shade, mottled okay. sun, because the sunflowers are huge around them, and I think they like it. Um, not no, getting hit. Blackberries don't mind much of any kind of environment to grow in. They can be pretty weed-like, and, uh, and they'll usually okay. compete and go around things like sunflowers. But, you know, you're not going to get as much fruit in the shade as you will in the sun. Well, maybe that I'll have to take, I'll have to call the sunflowers. Yeah, plant a later crop of sunflowers. We're <laughs> culling everything. This is terrible. All right. Bobby, have a nice Thanks. weekend. Bye-bye. Thanks. Well, it looks like Mr. Troy Barrett slipped back in the studio, so we're going to have to find out what's happened. In the meantime, you can give Shira a call. Number to call 602-277-5827-277-KTAR. You can be after Paul, Susan, and Brent uh, in the reverse order. Brent Gilbert, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Thank you for taking my call again. I I was calling for two questions. One was going to be why my hibiscus flowers aren't opening. And then I woke up this morning and it was in full bloom. (laughs) But my, my, my patience level. But my second question is, my wife's getting into raised bed vegetable gardening and our house faces north so we have a south facing wall and an east and west facing wall and i'm wondering the best place for her to have these probably the south facing wall is the easiest and then second behind that would be the east facing the the most difficult would be the west facing unless she wants to grow a lot of okra (laughs) no great that answers my question. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah, you're welcome. But the South is always, Brent, going to be the easiest. And uh, the raised gardens really, they work exceedingly well. So have fun. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. Uh, Susan and Glendale. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Brian. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I have a couple questions, too. I have a sky flower plant. Uh-huh. Um, I noticed in my neighborhood, there's a lot of them that are blooming. Uh, mine's about a year old. I think I bought them from you. Um, and I've not gotten any blooms on it as yet. Is it like on the north side or what kind of location do you have it in? Um, it is actually on the north wall facing south, so it oh. does get some morning sun. Facing south should be good. The only thing I think they can think of that would hurt it from, you know, keep it from blooming would be just the lack of sun. So if it's getting sun, it should bloom. 
Yeah. Okay. The other thing is I have a, some calla lilies that are growing that have also never bloomed, not in the same area at all, different area. Um, they do give a lot of shade on that area. Um, can I pull them out of the ground while they're still producing leaves and then transplant them somewhere else? Mm-hmm. And callas that do the best on eastern exposure where they get morning sun and afternoon shade. Okay, perfect. One last question. I know that you said to fertilize fig trees with uh, cow manure. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't do it, but I bought some manure. Can I still do that if they're fruiting right now? You can. Uh, what you, what you, you know, always have to be careful with is, you know, we, we typically, like in our citrus and things, we don't fertilize with any manure products at all uh, within 120 days of our harvest, just for food safety. Okay. okay? So, but with the figs, you're going to be harvesting those up off the top of the tree. You're going to be doing them yourself, you know, so what you have to do is just be mindful of the fact that you don't want the contamination. And what you can do is turn the, the manure right into the soil and turn it into the top six or eight inches and kind of cover it up and irrigate it in. And then it should be fine. Just, you know, you don't want to handle, you know, poop and food. I got chickens to do that, too. So they are out there it's your chicken, under the tree now for the shade. Your chickens are, are going to give you far more stronger nitrogen than the manure is going to give you from the... Uh, oh, perfect. Okay. But, but it's Thanks, also sir. with fresh chicken manure, you know, your chance of pathogens are higher. So just be careful. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Susan. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Paul and Snow. Yeah, Paul and Scott still. Hello, Paul. Hey, Brian. Um, I want to talk to you about uh, tomatoes, but before I start, I want to give a shout out to um, my red push pistachio. Someone asked about a shade tree earlier, and um, about a year and a half ago, you suggested this tree for me, and it's it's just amazing. This thing, it, it it's it's a full grown tree now, and it's like it grows every day. Another foot, it's beautiful. <laughs> what a shade tree! It's it's like one of my favorite plants or trees that I have in the garden. Um, but I want to ask you about tomatoes. Okay. Um, a couple of few months ago, I was there in Glendale, and I picked up a couple of uh, tomato plants. Uh, one little cherry tomato, another Roma tomato. And they were just doing great. They were just having fun, enjoying life. And then um, I went out there a couple of days ago for a harvest, and half the plants were gone. And, of course, I knew what to look for, and there they were, two big giants that were just enjoying life. <laughs> um, so I, I picked them off, and I live on a lake here in Scottsdale, so I went in the backyard and uh, I made sure that the fish back there had a nice little breakfast. <laughs> and the problem now is nothing's growing back in that area. And it seems like it's covered with uh, like little small spider mites. Uh, it, you you, you, my, you can my, have spider mites on them. You can uh, the, the problem with tomatoes, you can't prune them, and, and we're kind of late season right now. So, yeah. what what I would encourage you most to do, if anything, is to uh, make sure you're watering. So, but the, the growth stopped, and they're not flowering, or what's going on? The growth has stopped. And of course, that means they're not flowering. Well, if the uh, you know if the if the caterpillars ate the terminal growth off the end of the plant, they can yeah, stop they a tomato. You know, so that okay. we we might say, Paul, in that case, you know what? There's always next year. Yep. So, um, am, am I done doing tomatoes for this? Well, season? pretty much I, for this season. I mean, and, and well, you, you, you know, you could still keep some tomatoes, and if you had them in pots and you kept them on the east side, you might even get them to last all summer. Um, okay. But as far as planting tomatoes right now, unless you're going to baby them in a special place, uh, it, it's kind of tough. 
All right. Well, as always next year. Well, August is the time to plan them again, so it's not that far away. Oh, that's right. That's right. I was waiting for like November. Uh-huh. No, yeah, so we can plant. You can plant tomatoes in August, and you do, you'll do fine with them. Thanks, Paul. Perfect. Bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we have uh, Luis and Casa Grande. Good morning, Luis. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Wonderful, sir. Thank you for asking. Brian, I have a quick question for you. Great show, by the way. Um, I never planted a vegetable garden before, so my question is, should I buy the raw seeds or the starter plants? Well, it depends on what you're going to plant and what time of year. Okay, so you could, if you wanted, if you've never grown anything in your life, you want to grow something easy, throw some radish seeds in. They'll come up and grow. You know, you can't you can't lose with radishes and carrots. You know, so you can grow those pretty much any time. Uh, if you like okra, you could plant that this time of year. You could actually plant some late watermelons or cantaloupes. And if you didn't have a problem with white fly, you might make a crop on those pretty easily still too. So all those things could awesome. be planted kind of by seeds. You know, we use plants to things like when we're planting lettuce, that, so we don't have to thin it out. You know, and you're going to get a jump start. So you know, if you're going to transplant and grow a fall garden, you might grow some seeds indoors or else you might just go ahead and plant you know buy some plants and plant those from sets to gain time in the fall wonderful that was my question and you answered i really appreciate it brian thank Thanks, you Luis. bye-bye uh let's see next up we've got eric and phoenix good morning eric yeah hi i had a question about transitioning from winter grass to summer grass i always this year and last year i've had particular problems so i'm wondering if there's any advice you could give me on that well pretty much um you know right now is the time to do it it would have been cut it down earlier but it's been so cool it would have been hard so what we want to do shut the water off put the mower away And wait about two weeks. So the ryegrass should hit, you know, maybe two inches or so tall or three inches and really start to die. And then come back and scalp it, just like if you were planting ryegrass in the fall. Scalp all the ryegrass off. Uh, If you want to, you can aerate. You don't have to. But if you come back and kick the water up with good deep irrigations, an inch of water at a time, and after the first irrigation, come back and fertilize. Keep it mowed pretty short, down to about three-quarters of an inch or so, so that the Bermuda grass... It will spread and the ryegrass will die and should be fine. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Eric. Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we do have two lines available. A number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. She would never say where she came from. Yesterday don't matter. If it's gone While the sun is bright Or in the darkest night No one knows She comes and goes Welcome back, folks. And we all know she wants to be so free, but it's a beautiful morning just to be right here in the valley in the lovely town of Sunny Slope. Okay, it's not an official city, but uh, for us slopers, uh, it was a fun place to grow up. Anyway, I want to invite you out to come see us at Woodfields. At Woodfields, we grow trees. 
Started with my grandparents back in the 40s, continuing today for four generations. If you need trees, any kind, any size, we specialize in a few. We have beautiful uh, Swan Hill olives. We have fantastic palm trees like date palms and, and also tropical palms like mules and beautiful big pygmies, whatever your desire for palm trees. We grow them right here in the desert. And we are actually Arizona's largest palm tree grower. We, we grow a lot of citrus, and this is the perfect time to plant it. If you want to plant a lemon, an orange, a tangelo, any of those kind of citrus, now is a great time to plant those, along with a plethora of different desert trees like mesquites and ironwoods and palo verdes. We even have a beautiful new uh, AZT mesquite that is... Uh, Podless doesn't have any of the shed, the shedding and litter. Makes it a very clean kind of a special tree. Whatever your dreams are, come out and see us. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale. In the East Valley, we're at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe. Or 2647 East Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. Whitfield Nursery for four generations growing trees here in the Valley and all across the state for Arizona's future. Uh, let's see. Back to the phones. Looks like next up we have Trisha and Gilbert. Good morning, Trisha. Hey, good morning, Brian. Um, I have two things to say. It's not a question. It's, it's something that I wanted to give information out. Sure. My, hus- my husband always gave me red roses for Valentine's Day. And, uh, Chris, I don't get them anymore. So I was grocery shopping the weekend after Valentine's Day, and they had their discount plants and flowers, you know, that they put out in front of the grocery store. And there was this little pot of kind of real deep pink roses there that were obviously they hadn't been watered for a while or anything. And they had it marked down. The pot was like 10 inches high and maybe seven inches across, you know, a little small thing. Uh And so they had marked it down to $1.47. And I said, what the heck? And I bought it. So I had it in my kitchen window for about 10 days in it, and it started filling out a little bit and getting a little more healthy and had a couple buds on it. And I had an extra big pot in my yard, so I transplanted it in this pot. So it took a little bit, and it filled the pot. And on Mother's Day, there was like 12 blooms on it. And there's like 10 buds. It's just the most beautiful thing. And it's, it's really funny because it's real deep pink on one side of the pot and the other side is red roses. So. <laughs> well, Trish, I'm glad, I'm glad you had that special Mother's Day. Um, and yeah, perfect. Uh, well, let, I, hope now, every, I hope every day stays is pretty for you. I'm going to let you go because we got a lot of callers on, but have a nice day. You too, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we've got Dennis and Glendale. Good morning, Dennis. Good morning, Brian. Yes, sir. I have a question about potted um, um, Se- uh, Seiko palms. Mm-hmm. I don't have real good success. They never look that good. The ones on the ground are fine. Okay. The, well, uh, you know, the thing about a Seiko palm is it's about as tough a critter as ever existed. You know, one of the oldest plants on the planet. So they're they're really a hardy thing. But, uh, you know, oftentimes if they're in full sun, especially in a container, they're going to yellow up in the in the summertime and they'll stay yellow all summer but then they'll green back up again in the wintertime. Um, and if they're not pretty green right now, you might want to go ahead and feed them. And an easy way to feed them in a container is with a product called Osmocote which is a okay. slow release fertilizer which will last you know up to a couple months at a time so you don't have to think about it. Okay. 
All right. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what they look like. In the wintertime, they're, they're pretty great, you know. Mm-hmm. In the summertime, they look like they're, you know, they're, they're going to pass, you know. Yeah, but they okay. come back. But if you have a place to move them and put them on vacation out of the sun for the summer, they'll stay green. But in full sun, they're going to really yellow. And watering once a week, it wouldn't be, it'd be too much or not enough? No, it depends on the soil. But, you know, Seikos could take all kinds of uh, treatment and be pretty happy. I, I would okay. say in a container, that would be on the shy side. but And not many plants would thrive that way, but a Sago might. So okay. I'd say at least once a week if the, if the pot's, you know, reasonable size for the for the size of the plant. Yeah, because they're, they're in the sun all the time. So, yeah. so that's, that's hard on them. If you want to be kind, move them into the shade for the summer. But if not, they'll, they'll, they'll handle it. Okay. All right. Thanks, Dennis. I appreciate it, Brian. Bye-bye. Okay. Uh, let's see. Jerry and Tallison. Good morning, Jerry. Yeah, good morning, Brian. Yes, sir. So, yeah. Um, just wondering, uh, you never mentioned ironite. Uh-huh. Do you uh, uh, know the benefits of ironite? It's well, it came from the Iron King mine, you know, right up there in uh, Humboldt, yeah. you know, and it uh, yeah. it's it's a great way to uh, add some iron and also manganese, magnesium, zinc. I mean, the old Iron King had a lot of lot of minerals in her. That's why the ironite worked well. It, it's a little slower release, and I'm not sure that we stock it anymore. Well, I pulled some out of the, my shed that was in there for quite a while, so I said, what the heck? I put it on my uh, ailing <clears throat> plants, and by golly, it brought them out of the doldrum. No, it, it can really help. I, you know, I'm not sure, Jerry, if they're still manufacturing it or not. You, you, uh, I think so. Okay. Yeah, I, I looked online, and you can get it. You can still it's, get it? Yeah, I'll, you know, I'll, 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 I'll have to check with it with the nursery and look into that. You know, it's a slow, it's a slower working product, but it works well, and it works for a long time. And, uh, oh, it dissolves thanks, thanks, real fast in water. Yeah, thanks for reminding us, Jerry. Uh, next up, we've got uh, Beth and, and Whitman. Good morning, Beth. Hi. Hi. I have a jacaranda that planted two years ago. Uh, it was about six to eight years old when we planted it. The first year, it had already bloomed when we planted it. The second year, it was late to bloom, like May. Um, this year, we're getting nothing. I'm getting suckers off the, the uh, trunk of it, but that's it. Well, Beth, I've seen better blooms on jacarandas this year than most, so I don't yeah, think it was, it was a weather. Con- I don't think it was a weather condition. Um, is, is yours a single trunk or multiple trunk? It's just a single trunk. Okay, um, you know, it might be that the, the trunk is kind of cooked on it some, and that might be kind of hindering it and holding it back. Is the tree been growing pretty fast? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> you know what I mean? How do, how does the foliage look on it? There's no foliage. It's okay. just got suckers coming off the trunk. Well, it might be that you know a lot of the trunk is cooked. The suckers coming off the trunk, you might like those to come up and be, make into a multiple trunk tree so it can protect okay. itself better. I mean, jacaranda is really, you know, because they're a tree that comes from a rainforest, they usually have side canopy and side branching and things that protect the wood from the sun. And when we grow them as a single trunk, the trunks can burn quite easily until they're old enough to get a, a coarse bark on them or big enough to shade their own trunk. So, And if you're already having it rebutting out the sides, 
because it tells me that the sun's hitting the trunk, and that's why it's you know putting out the side buds. So you might just top it, balance it out, let those side shoots come up, and just grow it fast for this year. I don't think you're going to get any blooms. Now, you may get some, though. Uh, sometimes in September, they'll bloom again. So let's just get it as healthy as we can. It wants to be watered about weekly. You can fertilize it right now. Let the growth and the buds and things come out on the sides and uh, just let it start to grow and balance out and just kind of just let it be for the summer. And uh, you might okay. want to do some corrective pruning as the you know the new buds come out and mature more. And let's see if by growing it as a multiple trunk, it doesn't flower better for you next year. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see, Brooks and Chandler. Good morning, Brooks. Good morning, good morning. I guess I've got a couple questions about not growing things. Okay. Um, I've got a, I got about a half an acre, and uh, it's mainly Bermuda grass, but the big problem I'm having is um, an invasion of the wild carrot. Okay. And uh, I thought I heard you a few weeks ago say the best way to do that was to let your Bermuda grow very long and kind of choke it and shade it out. Is that true? Well, if you're growing a pasture, it probably will. I mean, you say half an acre. The carrots usually are going to be more dominant, you know, in wetter areas or shaded areas. <laughs> yeah, I've got ir- uh, flood irrigation. Mm-hmm. Um, will um, pre-emergent? be effective against them? Not really. I mean, not once they're already there and up. Uh, it'll keep them from spreading to some, you know, some certain amount, but that's about it. You know, and the pre-emergent will, will help, but you'll probably want to kill them with a with a herbicide, but it's getting too hot in the year right now to be, you have to be real careful to use like a 2,4-D product. Um, yeah. Because it can volatilize yeah, when it's over 85. Yeah, you know, hold, hold on. Uh, I got to give you some more information off the air. I got to. I got to say goodbye. Oops. Goodbye, folks. Hey, have a nice Sunday. We're out of time. We'll be back with you next Sunday with the Woodfield Nursery Garden Show.